Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Samantha Perkins today. Samantha is an individual who has undergone a vast transformation in her life from a habitual standpoint and really from you know an identity standpoint in so many different capacities. So I'm really excited about this conversation. I know it's going to serve many of you today in some capacity. So open your mind to the possibilities today. What is it that you would love to transform about yourself? What is it that you'd love to transform about your future? Because I think the possibilities are here today. I'm excited to bring you this conversation. And I want to ask you, are you ready to take it to another level? Because today is that day. There's always another level. There's always another level for us to elevate to, for us to ascend to, and for us to also give to other people, right? There's an opportunity for us to invest in others as a result of our own transformation. And so that's what it's all about. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for leaders, entrepreneurs, and real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. And man, I just love that because the extraordinary can mean so many different things. And for what it may mean to you, maybe a little bit different than what it means to me, which is the beautiful thing about it. You know, I think that's the, the amazing thing about this diverse world that we live in is that we all have a different desire for a different type of extraordinary. And we all have the different types of greatness within us to give the greatest capacities, uh, you know, to our business, to our team, to our real estate portfolio, to our families. And uh, I want to encourage you to, you know, fight through that fear, that discomfort, that worry to you know, reach your own level of extraordinary. And so this is for those who have a burning desire for that. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. We will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, the strategies, sometimes the struggles, right? We want to know the story beyond, you know, where we have come to today and how we're continuing to elevate that own story. We will really, you know, identify how we can elevate to a life without limits so that you can do the same or even more for yourself. And you're going to hear some amazing, you know, parts of Samantha's story today, which I think will really align with your future and your own transformation. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, through real estate investing, through personal mastery, through professional mastery, other ventures, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you're enjoying Elevate, we invite you to subscribe to the show. We come out with two shows every single week. In fact, some weeks we have three. So wait, uh, wait for that. We're going to continue to bring, um, you know, amazing guests from all over the world. And, um, you know, people that you may know some household names coming up soon. Uh, and otherwise, but uh, subscribe, give us a rating a review. It helps us and um, it also warms my heart. So if you have 1530 seconds, pause the show and go do that right now. But also, share this with a friend or even your network. If you've listened to us before, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome. And uh, I'd love to give you a big virtual hug. Thank you for being here. And um, what we're here to do is to add value to your life, to your business, to your psychology, to your fitness, to your finances, all of the above. And I uh, hope that you enjoy 
elevate because that's what it's all about. It's about not only enjoying, but it's about identifying and applying some of the best tactics, the best strategies, the best systems that you can within your business, within your mindset, within your health set, within your heart set, your soul set, all these things. And so if you're enjoying this show, welcome back. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for reviewing. But the fee is to share this with someone else. If you want to screenshot this, if you want to share the episode, share the link to the uh, the episode link on your social media, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, go and do that right now because that's the fee. It's 100% free otherwise. And, um, you know, share this with your network. So otherwise, uh, I want to encourage you to go check out elevatepod.com. Of course, check out the Elevate podcast community on Facebook. That's where you can go deeper and expand in the conversation, expand and anchor in your learning within your autonomic nervous system. So go check out Elevate podcast community. Also, I want to plug Elevate Coaching Academy, Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy is amazing. It's mind-blowing. We're literally transforming lives in this eight-week program. Coach Trevor McGregor and myself have been working on this program for years, and it is officially launched. It's live, and we'd love to have the opportunity to pour into you and give you the tactics, the strategies, the shifts towards transforming your life, towards transforming your business and your performance, you know, because it's about elevating your game. It's about allowing you and giving you the tools to make more money and have more time off, right? Have more freedom to do what you love, you know, whether it's go skiing, whether it's go to the beach, whether it's, you know, go travel to some new country that you've never been, right? I, I don't know about you, but I love traveling. And so Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy is by high performers for high performers. So go check out elevatecoachingacademy.com. Again, that's elevatecoachingacademy.com. We have a free masterclass workshop that you can go engage in. And I guarantee you're going to get massive value just from watching the free workshop. And you will get some more information on what it looks like for you to join our eight-week immersive coaching program where you're going to get world-class coaching from Coach Trevor McGregor and myself in addition to a mini mastermind where you have the opportunity of building relationships with high performers across the country who have a similar desire. They have a similar like-minded approach towards being the best of the best in their industry, whether they're real estate investors, whether you are an entrepreneur, a leader, whether you have a side hustle, this is for people who want to be the best of the best and maybe who even are to a certain degree. And so it has been a huge, huge passion of ours to really create this. And I'm telling you, it is life-changing. It's a life-changing experience. So go visit elevatecoachingacademy.com. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And we would love nothing more than the opportunity to pour into you and uh, really give you this amazing opportunity. So again, that's elevatecoachingacademy.com elevatecoachingacademy.com. Okay, guys, so let's dive in here because we have an amazing show today with Samantha Perkins, who is the author of Alive AF, One Anxious Mom's Journey to Becoming Alcohol-Free. Samantha's memoir details her discovery of alcohol, the beliefs that shaped her own alcohol use, and how she determined drinking was no longer for her. Samantha is the founder of Alive AF and writes weekly posts tackling misconceptions of alcohol use, alcohols, alcoholics, um, addiction, and more. This platform allows her to host wellness retreats, speak at wellness facilities, and meet with women to spread important messages regarding alcohol abuse. Samantha graduated from the University of Kentucky with a degree in psychology and spent 10 years working in mental health. 
In 2014, she left her career to join her husband with the family's full-time real estate investment portfolio, which there's a clue here uh, in, in that whole process. And I'm looking forward to diving in to that and, and really bringing this whole thing full circle. It's going to be exciting. Their business includes rentals of single-family homes, multifamily properties, commercial use spaces, and short-term rentals. Samantha manages the family's three Airbnb properties in Mammoth Cave, Kentucky, that hosts hundreds of guests every single year. And uh, I know that this is going to be a really, really impactful discussion. So I want to invite you to really enjoy this conversation with Samantha Perkins. Samantha, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed our conversation we had a few weeks ago. And it just seemed to be a phenomenal, um, obviously, your background is really interesting, because I think a lot of people can align with the experiences that you've described in your memoir, and just the transformation that you've undergone. So I appreciate you being, um, you know, open and willing to share that, because I, I would imagine there's been a lot of times, you know, throughout your journey, where it's like you felt maybe embarrassed, but there's no reason for you to be embarrassed. But I just appreciate that now you're giving other people the voice to say, well, wait a minute, maybe there's something that I need to transform. So I just appreciate that about you. And, um, you know, with all that said, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself because the audience doesn't know a ton about you. But uh, tell us a little bit more about Samantha Perkins behind the bio, behind the public image. Like, who are you as a human being? Okay, yeah, thanks for asking that. It's funny because when people ask me, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm always like stammering like, uh, well, <laughs> a few things actually, you know. Um, so yeah, I think as a person behind the scenes, you know, I'm just, I'm a mom. I am, uh, you know, trying to be an entrepreneur, but learning along the way. Uh, I am, you know, very shy and introverted and, you know, anxious most of the time. So I always let people, I think people are surprised because, um, I think most people have a, an idea that entrepreneurs are, you know, extroverted and, you know, love being around people. And I'm not necessarily like that. So um, it's hard for me to put myself out there. And um, like you said, sharing my story isn't always easy, but I see uh, something way beyond myself when I do. And so it makes me feel excited to be able to talk about that. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, I do, I'm kind of in lots of different ways. I'm an author. We've got um, our real estate business, which just looks a lot different than, you know, I think most nine to five jobs. And so there's always something going on over here for sure. Yeah. I love the way that you described, um, obviously all those different hats that you wear. And I think that's something that a lot of people can align with too. It's like, well, when I describe myself, it's not just one thing, you know, I'm not just one thing and I'm multidimensional. And I think when people start to recognize that they are multidimensional, multifaceted, there's a whole world of possibilities that open up too, which is really exciting. And I love that you described it as, hey, I'm trying to be an entrepreneur because I think a lot of times, you know, entrepreneurs, whether they'll admit it or not, they're always trying to a certain degree, right? It's, it's never going to be perfect. And I think that's another realization that a lot of us can find too, is that, Hey, progress over perfection, right? Let's let's just grow and try to be one percent better today, or try to reinvent ourselves today in some way. So I think there's a lot of value in that. But you know, I, I also um, think it's interesting that you share about you know your anxiety and some of the things that you know being an introvert and those kind of things. And obviously, you're kind of stepping out of your comfort zone in some ways. But um, talk to me about that anxiety because I know that that's been like a central theme as to sort of you know, a calling card for your transformation, perhaps at first, it was a limitation. But then maybe later, it became a gift for you in some way. I'm just I'm making an assumption there. So you tell me 
Where does where do you think that has come from? And talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I love that question. And you're absolutely right. You know, I used to see it as a huge um, factor, kind of keeping me away from doing the things that I wanted to do. And, and now it's no longer that at all. You know, once I learned to like step into it, um, I was able to embrace it and, you know, move with it. And so, yeah, I've had anxiety since I was a child. You know, I um, can remember having my first panic attack when I was in high school. And, you know, at the time, this was kind of the mid 90s. There wasn't a lot of talk around mental health, if any, at that time. And so I, you know, kind of was seeking help for a medical diagnosis, basically looking to see, you know, like um, I was, you know, would have these heart palpitations and have trouble breathing. And so we thought, you know, what, what could it be? And I was going to a doctor, but of course, nobody ever mentioned, could you be anxious? And, you know, as I grew over the years, it's really just a chemical imbalance. It's not something that I can predict a lot. I mean, I can now because I've done a lot of work to be able to do that. Um, but it is a chemical imbalance, something that happens in my body. And so, um, it's not my fault, you know, those kinds of things, you know, I used to be so embarrassed of it. And now what I'm learning is, again, it's kind of a, um, it's a gift. And actually, I think of it as it, it is kind of the thing that pushes me forward. I think because of my anxiety, I'm super impulsive, which means I don't spend a lot of time like thinking, over overthinking things like decisions that I make, especially, you know, um, investments that we make, or even with writing the book, I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so it ends up being kind of a tool that I use now that I have it under control and know how to manage it. That's interesting because I, I could see on one side of things that, you know, a, a significant amount of anxiety would make you overthink, you know, get into analysis paralysis, you know, like in the real estate world, it's like, well, if we do that, then X, Y, and Z could happen. Um, so I think that's interesting that it, it actually has led to more of an impulsive sort of a decision-making model. But, you know, I think if anybody is listening here and, and most people will really, if they're being honest with themselves, they have a certain level of anxiety, right? And so the question is, are we allowing that to push us in the direction of action? Or are we putting that in a position of disempowering, you know, behaviors or, you know, behaviors that don't serve our future self or our higher self? And so, you know, that's one of the things that obviously now you stand for is you've looked back and said, you know, perhaps the underlying, you know, undercurrent of the reason why I started to behave the way I did from a, you know, from an alcohol conception, uh, consumption per perspective was due to your anxiety. And, you know, looking back, I mean, if you if was there a moment that you kind of looked around and said, wow, this has become a problem for me, because I think a lot of people are like, you know what, let's just take the edge off. Like, it's kind of like, it's been a long day, like, whatever, like, it's not a big deal. It's not like I'm, you know, an alcoholic or whatever. But was there a moment when you kind of like snapped your fingers or you like you woke up and said, Okay, this has become a problem? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I don't come from a family of alcoholics, there isn't a huge, you know, um, line of alcoholism. And so I grew up kind of thinking, and I talk about this in the book, that you're either a drinker, or you're an alcoholic. You right. know, I didn't right. think there was anywhere in between. And so that was kind of paralyzing for me in some ways, because I always thought of my drinking as normal. I mean, most as I, you know, I drank throughout college, sometimes I partied in college, but when I became an adult, and once we had kids, we were going out a lot less, and we started kind of drinking at home, you know, I would just open up a couple glasses of wine with dinner. And then before you know it, that was becoming like an everyday thing. And again, because I didn't have kind of I didn't meet the criteria of alcoholic, 
I figured, well, this is just adulthood. You know, I'd done all the things that I was supposed to do. I went to college, got a job, got married, had kids, bought a house, you know, did all the things. And here I am just going through the motions and numbing my days away with alcohol. You know, I wasn't feeling all that happy. My anxiety was increasing. And so, yeah, I think the more my anxiety got worse, I started putting in all these these um, self-help practices. I was reading self-help books and I was doing all this work on my anxiety, um, still knocking back a few drinks every night, um, sometimes more, uh, sometimes not, you know, depending. But I was eliminating all these kind of toxins from my life, but no one ever mentioned, maybe you should assess alcohol and its relation to mental health and anxiety. And so I started doing some research and I found out that it's a huge um, factor in terms of anxiety. There's lots of research about what it does to alter your chemicals um, to make your anxiety feel worse. And so once I discovered that, I was like, man, you know, as much as I love to drink and hang out with my friends and, you know, have a few beers every now and then, um, I just, I can't keep feeling like this. Like there's got to be more. Yeah. And it was almost like a perpetual, you know, sort of your anxiety led to a little bit of and it was almost like, all right, it's not a huge problem, right? You know, it's like you're kind of casual drinking. It's like, oh, I have a couple of glasses of wine or, you know, maybe a few beers. And it's like, you know, you're still functioning at a high level, right? You're even talking about, hey, I'm still like exercising. I'm, I'm going out eating the kale, you know, I'm going out and going to, you know, I'm going to Whole Foods and I'm eating the stuff and, you know, you're taking good care of your kids and you're excelling in your career and all these things. And I think a lot of people, there's maybe a few listeners who can say, well, you know, maybe there is a little message here for me, for me to just think about this because your anxiety underneath the surface while you're thinking, hey, this is at least kind of solving that issue for, for a short term. And, you know, in the big picture, it's not a big problem because, you know, it's not like I'm not get, getting other things taken care of. And, you know, even not just getting things taken care of, but you were still excelling in many different capacities, but you were seeing that it was leading to more anxiety. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it was basically the cycle of, well, first of all, going back to that, I, you know, up to an onlooker, I was, you know, doing a great job, you know, I'm volunteering at the kids school, I'm taking in the baked goods, you know, we as a, our, my husband, and my business, you know, it was excelling, we're buying more properties, we're really getting into um, what we are as real estate professionals, you know, um, I'm exercising tons at this time and doing so many healthy things. You know, I always, I go back to this kale analogy because I thought, you know, I could just throw a bunch of kale on top of everything that was happening and I, I was going <laughs> to feel healed, you know? Um, and I was really kind of buying into this idea of like, um, to, you know, hustle and, you know, fitness and, and really, you know, working on, um, eliminating all these things. And again, we hear about this, what you should be doing to take care of yourself, but no one's ever talking about how alcohol um, really Im impacts your mental and physical health. And so, yeah, I definitely um, was feeling anxious because I drank too much the night before. And as a result of that anxiety, I felt like I needed to take the edge off. And then I would feel anxious the next day because I drank too much the night before, you know, kind of going through this nasty cycle. Um, and again, you know, like you said, I'm, I didn't get DUIs and I, you know, I didn't leave my kids at home alone and all these stories that we're used to hearing in our culture about this rock bottom. You know, I didn't have that from the outside, but on the inside, I felt awful. You know, it was just a realization like this, there's got to be more than this. And um, the alcohol was really numbing my ability to feel anything other than blah, you know? Mm. 
Yeah. And it's, it was, it was almost a coping mechanism to get away from that feeling of anxiety. And, you know, perhaps you you started to recognize that and said, so then you said, okay, well, maybe there's something else. So talk to me about the journey from there, because obviously the first, you know, first part of the process was the awareness. And then I'm sure the journey from there was not easy, right? Because there was probably sometimes where it's like, well, wait a minute, this habit has been so far ingrained. This is just who I am. This is what I do. And you've even, you know, described somewhat of the identity of your lifestyle. It's like, well, we go to, you know, we go to beer gardens, we go to the lake, we do these things. So could you talk to me about the process from there from that realization? Yeah, sure. So I, um, yeah, alcohol was just what we did. You know, I say right. that that was, it was our my hobby. It was how I, um, you know, it was there for me in times of goodness and in times of sadness. You know, when I was happy, I wanted to celebrate with a drink. When I was sad, I wanted something to, you know, help me not feel as sad. And so it was very much my identity. And, you know, a lot of our friends drank and, you know, um, our parents, and I, you know, I talk about this in the book, you know, every single person, you know, from uh, the guy we buy our cheese from to the, you know, our priest, you know, (laughs) having a glass of wine and enjoying that. And so, yeah, that I thought about like, how could I ever stop? If I do, I'll just have to change everything about my life. I won't be able to go to these parties or these events. I won't be able to have dinner parties or host friends over without alcohol. And so I um, was really worried about losing that in my identity. And so I really um, started reading some books and I found some people who had decided to kind of stop drinking in the same way. Um, that I had and I read what they did and I started kind of doing the embracing this versus um, trying to hide it and I just kind of let people know you know one day at a time I wasn't trying to focus on okay I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life and so hey everybody see you later I'm out you know I just kind of said I'm not drinking right now and I said that every minute of every day until it stuck and I knew that it was going to happen for sure and yeah it wasn't easy I just had to really focus more on what I thought about myself and what I wanted bigger than what what it was in that moment. I had to push beyond, you know, having a drink at five o'clock for being able to achieve much bigger goals that I had for myself and for my life. So it was all about the small moments, right? The small decisions and sharing that with other people. I'm sure it wasn't like all in one moment and you were totally transformed, but it was all of those things that stacked up on top of each other, along with, I'm sure, some setbacks along the way, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just little tiny, small steps. And I think people think that, yeah, you're going to go from one thing to the next big thing. And that's just not how it happens. And I couldn't really even allow myself to go beyond, I'm not drinking right now. Because when I started to think about Mm. my cousin's wedding coming up in July and what that was going to be like, you know, I would immediately say, I can't do this, you know? Mm. Um, And I've applied that same tactic to everything that we do now, including writing a book and, you know, getting through this pandemic with two children who don't go to school anymore, (laughs) you know, and um, very, very small steps, you know, Mm. created this big success for me. That's actually really interesting. I, I really like that because I, I had recently a, a gentleman who's an ultra marathon runner and I asked him about how do you run 100 miles? And he said 50% of it is legs and 50% of it is your mind. And what he meant by that is like, once you get to 60 miles, 70 miles, 80, 90, 100 miles, he's like, it's about get to that stop sign. It's not about go another mile. It's about get to that stop sign, which is like three steps ahead of where you are. 
So it's almost like you applied that same thing. It's like, I'm just going to, this is where I'm at right now, this moment, I'm just going to try to win this moment. And then who knows what will happen next? Am I, am I kind of characterizing that in the correct yeah. way? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, we would go out. I remember very early on, right when I stopped drinking, we, we went to a birthday party. It was someone's 50th birthday and it was a big deal. And I was so nervous about it. And I was like, how can I get through this? You know, first of all, I was used to having the physical aspect of holding a drink in my hand all the time. So even just that yeah. part of it was like, so I stopped and got something to drink so that I would have something to hold, <laughs> a coffee. Um, and then I remember the first hour of the party, I was, I was just repeating in my head, you know, I'm just not drinking right now. I'm just not drinking right now. And then, you know, I would check in with myself like, oh, I'm still having fun. This is a good time. Like, why did I think I needed to have alcohol in this moment? And so I would really do a lot of inner dialogue to see is this something that I want to be doing? Is this fun for me? Is this a part of my life that I want to continue? And if it is, that's great. And I can do it without alcohol. And if it's not, I probably need to just stop doing these types of things. Mm -hmm. So talk to me because, you know, habits are what drives our life, right? 40 to 50% of the actions we take daily are habits. And so I think that this conversation is so interesting, because not only are we talking about the identity that you believed yourself to be, but also just the repetition, like even just the like holding something in your hand, I think is extremely powerful. So like, what other tactics did you take to really succeed in this? I would imagine you surrounded yourself with people who supported you on this journey. Is there anything else maybe you talked to about that or otherwise that's been that was really important for you? Yeah, I love this. And when I am talking to people, I always tell them to take out the word drinking and apply whatever word it is that you're struggling with. Right. Because I think a lot of times people hear drinking, they're like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. This doesn't apply to me. And I remind them that you do probably do a lot of bad habits that you don't realize. And a couple of the things, you know, at first I thought that people who weren't drinking were just using the sheer willpower all the time, that they just had five times the amount of willpower that I had because they were able to do this and I wasn't. And then I thought the same thing about people who were super fit or people who didn't eat certain things or anything that there was that I wanted to do. I assumed it was all because of willpower. So the first thing I did was learn that that's not true and that willpower is really not meant to be a long-term solution to your problems. And what really happens for people is you get into what's this decision-making fatigue. I mean, by the time you wake up in the morning and you go throughout your day, they say that by noon, um, most people know whether or not they're going to drink because they're not going to have the ability to think it through if they've already exhausted all of their stressors. And so for, for me, part of it was making sure that I didn't wake up in the same hungover state, feeling tired, eating a crappy breakfast, feeling, you know, staying up too late the night before and not having enough energy and wherewithal to kind of get me past that five o'clock time. So I had to change everything about my habits, which meant going to bed a little bit earlier, eating a healthier breakfast. You know, I put some replacement behaviors going in the morning, journaling, um, doing some reading from the people who I could, I knew were going to support that. Um, and then also, at the five o'clock time, you know, I wrote this in the book, I, you know, no longer went outside and sat in my chair because that chair is where I always had my drink. And I would go back to my bedroom where I didn't have a night table so that I wouldn't feel compelled to put something next to it. You know, I, at five o'clock would go for a run or listen to a podcast or go listen to music. I couldn't just sit in my house and um, expect to not want to drink while doing the same exact thing. I had to kind of change everything about my routine. And that probably sounds overwhelming to someone who's like, well, I just don't, can't do that. But it, again, going back to the small steps, when you give yourself the energy um, by doing, you know, one right thing at a time, you'll be able to make it through that way. 
So you would go back and say, all right, one thing at a time here. Like, yeah. it's like, all right, the chair, the chair is yeah. my thing this week, right? Yeah. Is that, is that what you'd say? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, just, I would come in the front door instead of the back door, because when I came in the back door, we had a cooler sitting there, you know, <laughs> and just those little things to not make, to not prompt me to want to engage in that, you know, before, I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits, but okay, Have. it talks a lot about, as you know, like <laughs> the predictor, you know, and so I think just trying to eliminate some of that really helps. Um, and then having a replacement behavior, you, you really need something else that you can focus on so that you're not just sitting in your chair, twiddling your thumbs, craving that thing that you're used to. It takes time to break a habit. Yeah, I think I think the replacement is the most important part because at the end of the day, like your habit was, it was a cue in your environment that triggered a need for a reward, mm -hmm. which I think is fascinating. And the fact that if you really want to get super deep on this, you can say, well, maybe there's a reward that I can get from another more empowering activity or behavior. And you can replace that. And so you talked about, you know, running or journaling or reading, it's like, maybe you can get a little bit of relaxation and get out of your monkey mind that's giving you this anxiety, if you're focusing on something that's productive, is that what you found to really serve you and really replacing those behaviors? Yes, absolutely. And at first, you know, it's not as fun to go journal as it is to have a drink. For sure. Know? Yeah, right, right. It, but so at first, it doesn't come from this place of like, oh, I, this is something I love doing, much like exercise. I've been exercising consistently for the last 10 years, but I don't wake up every day and, you know, woohoo, I'm ready to exercise. But because <laughs> I've already got it as part of my, it's what I do. So now yeah. I don't have to think about it as much. And it was the same thing with the drinking. You know, I had to learn a couple of new things that I could do as a replacement for drinking. And then eventually those things started to provide me with that same kind of reward um, that drinking would, you know? And, you know, the, the things that I learned when I listened to a podcast or some, I would read a passage from someone and it would motivate me, or I started writing, which was a huge, huge thing, which led to the book. Um, and, and eventually, I, my once I got my chemicals back in order from not drinking anymore, then I would get that same kind of release of dopamine for doing these other pleasurable activities. But when you're drinking a lot, you're you're making it so that alcohol is really the only pleasurable thing. Yeah, and it's more so like what you described is the shift towards more of a satisfaction and fulfilled life rather than like short term pleasure. And like, of course, that takes longer to really kick in and feel those rewards from a dopamine and emotions perspective. But I think that's really interesting. And so it's it's basically what you're describing is it's a commitment, right? It's a commitment. It's a trust that, you know, these shifts will ultimately bring me the emotions because we're meaning making, you know, human beings, that's what we are, like, we, we make meaning of everything in our environment. And so basically what you're telling you know us is that hey if there's something that you feel that you've observed in your environment that's not serving you to the greater degree of you know the trajectory of your life or the vision that you have for yourself it's about you know committing to a process and trusting that this process ultimately will serve you in some capacity i mean because I, I would imagine through that process like the whole time you're thinking this is not fun this doesn't seem like a great you know um you know a, a substitute for the fun activity that I could be doing. And so you just stuck with that, right? I mean, I just find that really interesting. But one thing you said earlier is that your anxiety was a gift. And I think that that was a beautiful statement and, and something I wanted to circle back on. You know, how have you have, how have you looked at that now to, to be something that served you, uh, rather than something that has been like a limitation for you? Yeah. Yeah, I think that 
I try to, my anxiety gives me a little bit of edge. Okay. And so I've got this edge that makes me want to, I used to hide behind and try to numb out, you know, um, and maybe it was alcohol. I mean, a lot of times it was alcohol, but I could also do that easily with social media or eating or vegging out on the couch. But I've always kind of got this drive to me that kind of pushes me and so now I kind of use that edge to explore more things and to learn about things that I'm not comfortable with I'm already pretty uncomfortable in general just because I have anxiety I'm a shy introverted person and so rather than just getting so down about that I'm allowing myself to kind of learn new skills and um, I'm already so comfortable with being uncomfortable that it's okay for me to kind of lean into it a little bit more Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. I agree with that. I'm, I'm glad you went there because sometimes, you know, and I would consider myself to be more of an extrovert, but I appreciate all the different types of personalities that are out there. But even with my personality, and I'll just give my perspective, you know, there, of course, I have anxiety at times, right? And there's times where it's like, oh, I have a big presentation, or I'm doing a big talk, or, you know, hey, I've got a great podcast, and I, and, I, and, and it pushes me to prepare and to really think about how am I delivering practice, visualize, and so I think that there's a lot of power in what you just said. Like, so everybody who's listening, who has some form of anxiety, it's like, well, what's the gift in this? What's the silver lining in this? Is this pushing you towards action or are you just worrying and then you, you know, you're keeping yourself up at night? I mean, obviously there's two different facets to this. We don't want it to, to take us down, but if it pushes us in a direction of action, I think there's so much power in that. And the other thing too, that I just, I think about a lot. I don't know if you think about this, but you know, I think about, you know, like ADHD and all these other things that are out there. And it's like, well, maybe some of these conditions could be gifts, right? Maybe these personality traits could be really creating that the future for this individual that would not be there if there were other mechanisms to suppress that. I don't know if you ever think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I do, you know, I look at it, 
you know, kind of in all of the walks of my life and that, you know, I, I'm going to feel anxious whether or not I'm hanging out at my house or if I'm doing this big presentation. <laughs> so why not just go right. and do the big presentation? You know, and I think it's the same thing, you know, like people with, with all kinds of, um, well, first of all, I think mental illness is a lot more prevalent than, than what we lead on. I mean, like you say, I think a lot of us experience anxiety and depression and we don't talk about it enough in general as a, you know, culture. And so I think that, you know, just finding those gifts and finding, you know, what are the strengths that you can take from this um, will help decrease kind of any shame that people have around it or, you know, worry that it's going to take them down. Like you said, you know, there's a way to um, find mess in it. And, you know, maybe you need therapy and medication, all the things and get that, but also know that this is a part of you that can be, um, you know, just a treasure. Yeah. And, and um, I think that's really, really powerful. And and just with your mental health background and breadth of understanding, I mean, you know, could you talk about a little bit about your transformation now from the previous identity that you had where you had, you know, you had some coping mechanisms that caused you to get out of the, you know, searching for something to, you know, remove yourself from the constant racing thoughts and irrational moments of panic that you've described. Um, you know, could you talk about the the new identity that you're continuing to form and step into? Or is that something that's been conscious? Or is it still forming right now? Yeah, I think before my biggest thing was I thought I knew, you know, I thought, okay, I have anxiety, this is how it's going to be. You know, I drink too much, this is how it's going to be. I've arrived, basically, this is it. You know, I just kind of like put this stop on it. Well, oh, this is how it's going to be, you know, too bad. This sucks, <laughs> but I'll just, you know, get through the days as mundane as they are. And, you know, now that I realized, first of all, how wrong I was about alcohol, you know, that I didn't have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking and that I could live an amazingly full life without alcohol and that all the um, kind of ideas and misconceptions that I had about it um, were wrong. So that has opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, what else am I wrong about? And so now I kind of go toward, you know, looking at things like, could I be wrong about this? Versus, oh, I already know about that. I've heard about this kind of investment. I'm not going to do that. I've heard about this kind of, you know, I already know what it's like to write a book. It's got to be pretty hard. I'm not going to do that. And instead, I kind of approach everything as what could I be missing? What could I be wrong about? And how can I grow from this? Ooh, that's, that's good. I like that. Go ahead. Yeah, it's been huge. And, you know, I love now, and I say this all the time, like discovering how wrong I am about something, because I think we get kind of really stuck in thinking that we know something and that really holds us back, you know? Um, and I, I know from my own personal experience, I knew nothing about alcohol. I knew nothing about, you know, what I could do, the full fullness that I could live with having anxiety um, until I really put effort toward it. But I thought I did. I told everybody I knew, you know. And the people that I admire and respect the most in this world are the ones who are, they're humble, you know, but they're also wise beyond, you know, their means in so many different capacities, but they do update their thinking and they're always willing to challenge previous held beliefs. So I think it's really, really powerful that you say that it's, you know, could I be wrong about that? I mean, we could ask ourselves that question at any moment at any time, and be empowered to, you know, fight, you know, find curiosity, and learn something new and grow from that. So I think that's really powerful. But is there anything substantial that you've really updated your thinking on recently, that's been interesting, just going through that process? Yeah, I mean, I think with the book, you know, I never considered myself as an author, you know, and that I could really be able to talk about this kind of thing openly. And 
you know, I assumed that all authors had massive amount of time on their hands and that they spent their time, you know, quietly in an office or they wrote in coffee shops. You know, I wrote most of this book in a tiny little chair in the corner of my house with both of my kids asking me to get them a snack every 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> and I think that that, you know, because of sobriety, I now know that it's, you know, it's not always what I think. And so I can accomplish these things by doing one little thing at a time. Um, I can go for something um, without having all the parts figured out beforehand, which is a huge piece now. Before, I just didn't think that, you know, unless I had, you know, an office and ample amounts of time on my hands, there's no way I could ever write a book. Unless I, you know, with our investments, unless we know exactly what every question is going to be. Again, I can't even predict what's coming toward us, you know, today or this afternoon. And so I think just knowing that, being able to, um, you know, make a big change like this in your life really prepares you for other things as well. That's so good. That's so good. And not having to have every single answer, you know, because I have a lot of, I'll have coaching clients or, you know, other business partners or whatever will come to me and say, well, I just don't know how we're going to do this. And then like the word how to me is like become a four letter word, because I don't care about how anymore. You know, it's just a matter of let's take action and let the universe do the heavy lifting for us. Let's proceed forward, expect that there's going to be some bumps in the road. But you know, the more that you take action and chip away at it, the more the path becomes clear. So I think that's really amazing. Um, and talk to me about that, that journey as a as a writer and now as an author. And, you know, how has that been for you? I mean, it's been kind of chipping away at just one little piece of inspiration at a time? Or have you worked on all right, well, I'm going to do the out, outline of the of the book. And here's, here's the big picture. And then we'll chip away at it from there. Or how's that process worked for you? Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to write and I knew that it was something deep down that was a passion of mine and I would find myself writing in lots of different ways over the years. But again, I thought that, you know, you can never pursue writing unless you had a background in writing or, you know, you went to college for writing or, you know, I didn't think I was allowed to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so writing was a huge part of my healing in terms of, you know, when I stopped drinking, it was one of my biggest replacement behaviors and also just something that I turned to as a support. Um, because, you know, making a big decision that's against what a lot of people do, it can be pretty isolating and lonely. And so I turned to kind of writing as a, as a healing. Um, and so I eventually thought to myself, I've got enough stuff here. Maybe I can put it together in a book. And I also really wanted to give back. I think um, that we hear so many stories that are, you know, again, going back to like the drinker or the rock rock bottom story. You know, everybody knows an alcoholic in their life who has, um, you know, hit rock bottom. And we all know those kinds of stories, but you don't hear a lot of stories like mine, kind of those people in the middle, somewhere in between. And so I thought the best thing I could do to, to, to help people is to share about that and to tell people about it so that they could uncover their own, you know, issues with alcohol. And so, yeah, the writing, I hired a coach just like I would for anything because having a coach for helping you along the way is the best way to do something. Um, and she kind of guided me chapter by chapter. And eventually, we, I put the pieces together and was able to, to get the job done. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And was there anything surprising along that journey that you encountered? I mean, obviously, you know, just discovering that you could put together a book and you could, you know, put together something impactful, I'm sure was surprising in itself. But is there anything that was like nuggets along the way that you were surprised about? I'm just curious. Yeah, a lot of things, you know, it's just it's a lot more than just sitting back and writing, you know, there, you, first you get the parts out. Um, and I think as I told my story, I started to discover things about it 
that I hadn't maybe recognized or lived through at the time. You know, I think I, when you're unraveling kind of like your life story about something or, you know, your business or coming through some kind of trauma, you know, you realize like maybe it's not the whole, your perspective shifts a little bit. So there were some times throughout my story where that happened. Um, and then also just the support that I need. You know, I thought as a writer, you're just this lonely person doing it on your own. And it, it's, I needed a lot of help and reassurance. And I had to ask for help a lot because I couldn't, um, I didn't know exactly how to get the chapters together or does this piece belong here? And just kind of the unknowing. And then the editing, which was also extremely difficult. And I'm not very great at attention to detail, which again goes back to the anxiety. And so this made me have to do that hard, very long detailed work that just was not as fun, you know? So I think when I started out, I'm like, oh, writing a book, it's going to be so fun, <laughs> you know? Right. And there, there were great times, but it's also super hard. And when you do something for yourself, and I'm sure you know this, and a lot of your listeners do too, you know, when you're in it and it's just you, you know, you could give up any time and no one would probably know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And so just, you know, finding and mustering enough strength to continue to push myself you know, even at the time that no one even knew that I was writing this book or, you know, for your listeners, if you're doing something new like this and you're, you're, you get frustrated, kind of like learning to get over that hump and to, you know, muster up the motivation to keep going when things get tough. Yeah. What an awesome accomplishment. And, you know, for all the listeners who, you know, maybe have writing a book in their future or not, I mean, there's some project or there's something that you can create that you can be really proud of that you can overcome these challenges. And you can look back and say, wow, I didn't know that I had that within me to go through that editing process and all the attention to detail that was required. And now I unlocked a new part of my potential that now I can stack on and I can expand through. And I just think that's so, so powerful. And one thing that you actually mentioned there that I wanted to ask you about was you, and I think you mentioned this in one of your blogs, but you said a shift in perception is all we ever need. And you're like freaking talking my language when you say something like that. So could you expand upon that thought and what that type of philosophy has meant for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, just in so many ways, and this goes back to when I, you know, thought that I, I would have to be, have an advanced um, degree in writing, for example, in order to be able to do this. Um, you know, it's all about really having confidence and believing in yourself. And so, you know, I think every time, in my adulthood, someone would come to me and I'd be like, oh, I could never do that. And we hear that all the time, you know, like I could never run an ultra marathon or become sober, or stop eating meat or all of these things. And why do we say that? Probably because the whole idea just scares us to death. But I think when you kind of dig a little bit deeper and allow yourself to explore, what is it that makes me think that I'm not worthy of this or that I can't do this and really get down to it, um, you can shift your perception. And, you know, once I took the idea of I can't drink to I don't have to drink, everything changed for me. You know, when I thought I can't drink, then I felt sorry for myself and oh, boo-hoo, everybody's having a great time and I'm not and the party's no longer fun and, you know, this is not the life that I wanted to live. But when I realized, when I changed it to I don't have to drink, I'm like, whoo, thank goodness I'm free from that now. You know, like I can wow. still have a good time and I'm not going to have a hangover tomorrow and I'm not going to get too drunk and say something stupid. And so that just changed everything for me. And so, and the same thing with writing and, you know, everything I approach now is kind of how can I shift this to really what I'm looking for? 
That's awesome. And and I'm, I'm just going to issue a challenge right now, because I think it's so powerful what you just said, I could never like the thought I could never or I can't, or whatever along those lines, when you catch yourself saying that, you know, the listeners and, and I'm going to do this myself, I can't do that. Well, it's like, wait a minute. Okay, I just heard myself say that. What if I could, right? What if I could or what if I don't have to right what the power of words is amazingly powerful and it can transform everything about your reality and so you know maybe it's just for the next 30 days every time you recognize that it's like oh i'm aware of that and then from there it's like we can make, we can make a transformation but i just i love that and and a shift in perception is all we ever need is something that really really stood out to me and something that I think you know if people can open their minds to say well what if I can right some people say well I can't write a book I'm not detail oriented or I don't I'm not a good writer I don't have a background or I couldn't buy a 200 unit apartment complex or I couldn't you know build that business well what if you could what if you can and so I just think that's amazing but let's talk about real estate because I know real estate has been important for you as you've made this shift into being more of an impactful type of an individual and sharing your story. And so what what role has real estate played in terms of your transformation as well? Yeah, you know, I wasn't very thrilled about becoming getting into the real estate business. My husband was a realtor and a broker, and he'd been buying properties while working a full time job. And I was always like, you know, I got a degree and, you know, I got a job, so I'm going to stick with this and, uh, you know, do my duty. And, you know, Drew was, my husband was super um, kind of entrepreneurial and really pushed me um, to, to kind of see what real estate could provide us. And so for me now, it's everything, you know, um, I kind of say that I'm always working, never working situation, you know, like I might, you might see me at Trader Joe's picking up groceries at one o'clock in the afternoon with my kids. Um, but I'm probably getting a few phone calls and my husband and I are going to have a meeting tonight in our pajamas at 1030 after we get the kids down and everything's done about our next investment. And so it really has given me the space to have time when I'm not working a nine to five and I'm not on someone else's schedule to, um, you know, explore these things. I don't see how I could have gotten here, you know, if I was just grinding all the time at another job and I come, would come home exhausted, you know, but now, um, you know, it's not like I'm not stressed out or that I'm not working a lot because I am, it's just kind of on my terms. Um, and when I do things on my terms, then I can make the space that I want for other things and time for other things. So it's me, it means a lot. And, you know, some days I wake up and I'm not thrilled about it, you know, right, especially when there's issues and, you know, the stuff that I don't want to have to handle. But I think that, um, you know, it's really just taught me so much. And I think too, going back to the impulsivity, it's taught me a lot about the kind of long-term gain. And so, you know, with the sobriety, you know, seeing it through, you know, I know that when we buy a property, we're not going to get paid a lot on day one, you know, maybe we mm -hmm. do, but that would be, you know, rare, but year 10, we might get paid a lot. And it's kind of like sitting in and having the patience so, to work through that. And so that's really taught me a lot as well. So how has your strategy changed or adjusted over the past couple of years as you've transformed as a, as an individual? And I'm sure your relationship has transformed, you know, not only your family dynamics and all these things. I mean, how is your strategy? Because you're talking about long term seeing it through and being patient, which are 
so important in real estate and obviously in life in general too. So what a great, what great lessons, but how is your strategy um, updated or adjusted um, in the real estate um, investing space for you guys? Yeah, I think, I'm much more service focused maybe than before. You know, I'm, I used to say like, what will this mean for us right now? <laughs> you know, and I find myself now saying things, you know, what will this mean for them? You mm. know, and how can we kind of work on everybody gaining, you know, and that's when I think we're, we're all at our happiest, you know, our clients are my art and ourselves for sure. Um, I am an Airbnb host. And so it's a whole different side of real estate, which I thought was, um, I thought it was just real estate that the, the guests would come, they would rent and they would leave just like our long-term real estate investments, but that's just not how it works. It's more hospitality management um, and communication is such a huge part of it. And so I think just, instead of trying to get it over with, I'm just more sitting in, settling down, waiting to see. We're not making any more knee-jerk reactions. You know, when something goes wrong, we're not responding immediately unless we have to. And I think that the patience has really shown a, a lot and, and, and just kind of playing it forward. I always say, let's just play the tape forward a couple of weeks or a couple of years. Like what's that going to look like if we do this now? And it really helps us make decisions. Oh, that's awesome. I like that one. And you know, one thing you, you mentioned it just a bit earlier, it's, it's about solving problems. There's always a problem. And I don't know about you, but in the moment, it's not like, oh, I can't wait to go share this with other people and help impact them. It's like, this sucks. This is awful. So is there any is there any problems that you've had or any major challenges in the real estate business that you could give you could serve someone else by giving them a reference point of, hey, this is overcomable or this is something that we worked through. We were patient and we were also thinking about decisions now and how they impact the future of not only our business, but the outcomes that we're looking to create. So that's a long way of me asking you, has there been any, any significant challenges that you've overcome in the real estate space as well? Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, as a woman who is anxious and an introvert, I've had to learn that first of all, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, I didn't think that I could ever make a mistake. I thought I was already coming in at a disadvantage. And so if I make a mistake, everybody's going to think I'm the worst, you know, and that I wasn't qualified to do this to begin with. And so I just go in now with the concept, I'm going to make mistakes. And I do, I, I mean, as an Airbnb host, I make mistakes all the time, things that I thought would be detrimental to my business that really weren't such a big deal after all, you know, um, just, you know, a miscommunication about something or, you know, or, you know, something breaks or I'm not able to get something fixed for a guest. And, you know, it feels awful and it feels like it's the end of the world, but, you know, I think, like I said, mistakes happen, we're human and it's okay and you will overcome them. And I think you have to kind of get over that they that you that they're gonna happen versus how can I be perfect at this? And so um that's kind of how I approach everything now and knowing that when I let people know what my flaws are from the get-go and I talk about what my insecurities are or what the issues are, that it's gonna go a lot more smoother than if I'm trying to pretend that I have skills that I don't have, or, you know, that I, I'm better at something that I'm not great at, um, the transparency piece. Samantha, a shift in perception is all we ever need. So it's, uh, you know, you look at it and you say, well, okay, yeah, we're, it's not going to be perfect, right? So that perception, it's not going to be perfect. And then so when those challenges come, it's like, oh, okay, well, now I can focus on the solution, not the problem. And um, that's, that's amazing. And uh, Samantha, I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today. 
Uh, I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon, right? A lot of the decisions that you've made and the transformation that you continue to step into is uncommon, obviously, and you continue to elevate your life. And I love everything that you're all about. So thank you so much for impacting me, impacting our people and uh, all the listeners here today. So uh, I want to ask you a few questions. If you had to point now that you're an author yourself and, and uh, you know, this amazing writer on the pedestal that you thought about uh, all these writers and authors were, I'd be curious. I mean, are there two or three of the most impactful books that you'd really point to over the past few years that you've read yourself? Yeah. Oh, I'm a love to read and I'm constantly doing it. Um, and you know, the first book that I would say is, um, quit like a woman. It's a book about being a female or drinking in this culture and the media around it. And it's just a really good informational book on alcohol, not necessarily addiction. And I think that it's been a huge help to me and I love it. Um, I know you read a lot of business books here and most people talk about all the, the good business books, but I've also like to read um, books about writers because, you know, I want to read and see and learn from their experience. So another one is Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. It's um, just kind of breaking down some things about writing um, that I think are important for anybody who wants to be a writer. I love that. And I'm I'm kind of the the guy who's like, I'd rather read about philosophy or a biography or a memoir or something about something that's not real estate or business related because I get new ideas. And not only that, but I strengthen my mind. I, I open myself up to new perspectives. And I think that's really valuable. So I'm glad that you brought up books that are not business related or whatever. It's funny because people ask me, hey, you know, what what real estate books would you recommend for me? And it's sometimes hard for me to recommend them, um, you know, because... I, anyway, that's just not my perspective at this point in time. But yeah. we will put links in the in the show notes of those two books in addition to a live AF, Thank of you. course, one anxious mom's journey to becoming alcohol free. So we'll put that in the in the show notes as well. So folks can find Samantha's book. But uh, thank you for that. Samantha, what's the the biggest way outside of what we've already talked about today, we've talked about so much, but the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? I think consistency, you know, one thing that I'm really good at is just when I get started on something, I just keep going at it, you know, and I, I think that my husband, who was a kind of a, an ultra athlete at one point, he always used to say no highs, no lows. And I think a lot of times people are searching for the highs or they're so deep in the lows that, that they can't find any kind of happy medium. And I noticed with myself, if I just stay consistent at something, consistent with writing, consistent with not drinking right now, consistent with exercising, eventually it just becomes part of who I am. And so that is, I think, the biggest thing that I can tell people who are starting down any of these paths is to just, um, when you find something that you're good at and that you can do well, get it and get consistent with it and it will become part of you. That's great stuff. And uh, you don't have to climb that mountain, you know, all at once, right? It's right. one step at a time. Or, you know, I don't know if you've heard the uh, the philosophy also, of like, if you're going to eat the elephant, it's one bite at a time, too. So that consistency, that no highs and no lows. And that's uh, another example of a shift in perception, right? Um, so that's, that's really, really powerful. But what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Samantha? I honestly think that sharing my story is the, is the greatest thing that I can do. You know, I'm not trying to get people to buy a million books, but if I can help one person relate um, to my truth, then I hope that that gives them the confidence and the ability to want to share their truth. And so I think that, you know, 
stepping into who you are and being your whole authentic self will really um, be the greatest gift that you can give to everybody. There it is. Oh my goodness. Well, you absolutely impacted us today, Samantha. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being who you are. And thank you for transforming and showing us the example of what's possible for us. But uh, are there any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation today? I just want to tell people that you can do it, you know, whatever it is, you just, you really can. And, you know, write the book, stop drinking, start doing the thing that you've been wanting to do. Just start, you can. Just start right now. So this is the moment. This is the call out. If you got this message, draw the line in the sand in whatever capacity you can for yourself. It is possible for you. Samantha, thank you so much. Uh, what an amazing episode. Thank you so much for taking time. But um, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you, find your book. And obviously, we'll put links up for everything in the show notes. But if you want to share now. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, Samantha Perkins, Alive AF. I have a blog, spaliveaf.com. I talk about a lot of things aside from drinking, anxiety, motherhood. I talk about real estate, writing. So um, I write those weekly blog posts. So you can find me there. Yeah, of course, SP Alive AF, and that's alcohol free for the people <laughs> whose minds are in the gutter. Exactly. Uh, alcohol free AF. Uh, so we'll definitely put the links in the show notes of how you can find Samantha. But I encourage you to reach out to her, you know, find her book, buy her book, read the book and let that transform you whether or not you have an issue with alcohol, whether or not you have an issue with habits, because stories help us create new transformation in our life. And, and it's always about, you know, expanding or contracting, we're either growing or we're dying. And I think that, you know, engaging with these type of references gives us the opportunity to grow. And uh, so I think that's really, really powerful. But I, I want to encourage you to also re listen to the show, because there's so many nuggets of wisdom here, whether it's about the perception, whether it's about the habit creation, whether it's about, you know, mental health and, you know, using your what you previously saw as weaknesses to become your strengths. I mean, there's so many nuggets of wisdom here. So I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show because repetition is the mother of all skill. If you truly want to understand something or if you want to make sure that you didn't miss some of those nuggets, I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show and share this with someone else, right? Who would really value this conversation? whether it's with your network on social media, or whether it's just one person, and you can tell them, hey, here are my top three things that I really took away from this episode. Because to me, it's sometimes people need to know, well, what's what are the reasons? What are the reasons why I should listen to this? So I want to encourage you to share your top three distinctions and teach those as well. Because, you know, somewhat, sometimes the teacher is who learns the most. And I think that's really, really powerful. So with all that said, I want to encourage you to take massive action on what you learned today. And until next time, Samantha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.